0: Hello.
1: Thanks for joining us as we listen to Barbara Biedenbaugh and Angelina Murray discuss COVID challenges in the assisted living and memory care setting today on Healthcare Highwire.
0: Hi, I'm Blake Gilman, the Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Care Services at LCS. You're listening to the Healthcare Highwire, Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy
1: it. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Healthcare Highwire. My name is Barbara Bedenbaugh, and I'm the director of healthcare services for our rental division at Life Care Services. So I provide clinical oversight to our independent living, assisted living, and memory care communities. Joining me today is Angelina Murray, our Director of Health Service at our beautiful community Bay Shore Hilton Head in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Angelina has over 20 years of experience as a nurse, and we are just grateful that she's joined our community in Hilton Head and is our nurse leader there for us. So how are you today, Angelina?
0: I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I want to welcome you and again, thank you for taking time out of your tremendously busy day to have a chat with us about this COVID-19 pandemic. Your thoughts on how you and your team have overcome the many uh, unusual challenges presented, some ways that were have been very unique to our assisted living and memory care world. So, as you know, Angelina, and I'm sure many of our listeners know this as well, but 2020 was actually designated as Year of the Nurse. This was prior to our pandemic. And I don't know about you, Angelina, but I went into this year thinking Year of the Nurse was going to be way different than how it has presented. What about you, the year of the nurse. Well, I see that
0: as our nursing community and nursing staff, we're diving into a pandemic and to put everything in perspective as dealing with COVID, the CDC guidelines, making sure that everyone is prepared, talking to families, friends, and they're looking to nursing, healthcare professionals for information and education. So now I would say it's the year of the nurse.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so let's talk a little bit about your community there, at Bayshore Hilton Head, and your response to the COVID pandemic challenges. Remember back in March, that's a long time ago, isn't it now? When our healthcare world was just rocked as the way we know it, I felt like it was just totally turned upside down because of covid We started out with frequent and numerous phone calls, like daily, sometimes twice a day. We were sending out memos all the time. Guidelines were constantly changing. Every day, they were sometimes changing. And it was really confusing. I don't know about you, but to me, it was really hard to keep up with. That was a a huge challenge just in itself, don't you think? Yes, I do.
0: At this community, we've had many meetings. We allow staff to voice their concerns. We try to address them as honestly and effectively as possible, educate them on the reasons why we use personal protective equipment, PPE, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) such as wearing a mask and encouraging our residents to wear their mask properly. We also speak to the residents' family members regarding visit protocols and updating them on the new information that comes out regarding covid in the CDC guidelines. So we try to make sure that everyone is up to date as to why we do the things we do. And it's just to keep our community safe, to keep our staff safe, their family members, our family members, and to explain the reason why we have to be six feet apart. We need to have on our mask properly. We try to be informational and it assures them that we are here for them.
1: Right. I think it will help relieve as much of the anxieties as possible. We can't relieve all the anxiety because there's so much unknown about COVID. It changes all the time. And the news is reporting one thing and, you know, guidelines are reporting something different. But, but something I heard you say made me think of the word transparency. I feel like that's a key to all of our communities is transparency. And we're not trying to hide anything. And we want our families and our residents and our staffs to be just as educated as we are about this. So sounds like y'all really embraced the transparency and kept everybody informed. That's great. Yes, we need to
0: step up and and do something different. Make sure that the family knows. Even the residents who, who have memory problems, we still talk to them. We still spend time with them. We try to get them to understand the isolation. We are hiring more staff We have hired more staff because we need someone that could sit in there with the residents at least 15 to 20 minutes and speak to them and talk to them and, you know, talk to our isolated patients, uh, residents, and let them know, you know, that they're not alone. Someone's here, we'll be here for you. So we've been doing that. and It's been working out pretty good to have um, someone for four hours to come in and just go to the isolated patients' rooms. and. Sit there and talk to them, change their television if it's on something that's going to cause them to be anxious or depressed. We try to put on something happier, Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. the news all the time and Mm -hmm. the COVID news, the time to vote news and you need to do this. And it's just it's just so much for them. We try Mm -hmm. to break that down by we'll talk to them about it, give them time. So the four-hour person that we do have coming in, it's been helping a lot. We can see a difference. That's excellent.
1: That's excellent, Angelina. And I know, especially at the start, we were also inundated with the news that I was exhausted just listening to it and trying to decipher it and i can imagine how our residents felt with this own 24 7 that's a great idea you having somebody come in part-time and them going and and doing visiting with your residents that's excellent excellent Thanks. and you know so that kind of brings me to the next um, question about quarantine and isolation and how that affects our residents Or how it has presented some unique challenges to us in the assisted living and memory care world. Because it's unique from even a hospital setting or a skilled nursing facility, or we call it a SNF, that um, assisted livings and memory cares, we've addressed that historically in a different way. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes, we have assisted
0: living and we have independent living. We don't really have a memory here. Mm-hmm. So it's assisted mm-hmm. and independent. And with the assisted living, it gets a little difficult when we're dealing with infectious diseases, because we don't really deal with that. We usually send them out. But now with this COVID pandemic, we are revamping things. We have agencies that come in and take care of them, like say if they have wounds or stuff that need to be taken care of, We don't do that. We have a facility that comes in and they come in and they take care of their wounds. And it's a little difficult because then we have to do virtual visits with the physicians. And we have to be in the room with them because they don't know how to do it. And they need to be monitored. And we need to find out if we have new orders or if there's something else we need to do. So the virtual visit is very helpful. We also decide if a virtual visit is warranted versus an office visit. So we have to make that decision. Mhm.
1: Mhm.
0: The, the residents are pretty okay with it. However, once they get into it, they are
1: they're more amazed by it than anything. Mm-hmm. You know. And you're talking about telehealth now, about using the telehealth. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a whole other area to discuss too is how this COVID virus really I think it's just pushed us into the virtual world, whether we wanted to go there or not. And myself included, learning the different platforms that we can utilize uh, in this pandemic. And when we've had to have our residents quarantined and families and visitors have not been allowed in, that's been so very challenging. And so you touched on it right there. We've had to embrace telehealth, Zoom, and virtual family visits. So how have your residents responded to that? Have they embraced it, would you say?
0: I say they have, especially the virtual family visits, because some of them don't have computers. So I would take my laptop up and we will call the family and they get to talk to them. And they're just amazed by just (laughs) being able to see their family member. And many times I would leave my computer and I would have the family member call me and let me know when they're finished and I would go back and get it because I want them to have their space and, and their personal time with their family. And I don't want to be sitting there monitoring you, speak to your family. So right. that has been working out really, really good. Uh, the Telehealth visits, <laughs> they really think that's amazing. <laughs> they're you know, like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm. if you see right here, I have this. And they're just... <laughs> it's just really funny but you know what we are able to take care of them and that is the bottom line we'll able yeah. to get the things that we need the orders that we need and get the paperwork done so I think televisit is really good I think being pushed into a virtual world has really made us step up our game
1: I agree Angelina I think it has really forced us to step up our game quicker mm-hmm. into those platforms than maybe we had originally planned but my experience with the telehealth, uh, not only personally, but with other communities, they're embracing it. And, you know, flexibility and adaptability, that, that's, to me, the keys right now during this COVID crisis. I to- you, yeah, so you mentioned earlier about staffing. Let's Let's go back to that just for a second. And I've heard over and over again, not only in our world of long-term care, but all across the, the healthcare segments, that staffing has been an issue. It's been a problem. And for assisted living and memory cares, I know that some states actually mandate how many nurses or nursing assistants you need for every resident. But then there's a lot of states that don't give you a specific staffing number. So, would you say staffing has been an issue there at Bayshore Hilton Head? And if so, how have you maintained? How are you surviving? Yeah, staffing has been an issue for a little bit, but we're on
0: track now. With South Carolina, they do mandate how many residents to a QLS. They do mandate that. However, if we have a certain amount of residents that are on medication pass or needs to be touched when they go in the room, like assisted or, you know, standby assist, if we have over a certain amount, we add on another quality life specialist. We add on another may not be for a whole eight hours. It may be for four or maybe a six hour. Like right now we have three 12 hour QLSs and we also have an eight to two. So that eight to two gets all the stuff that's in between. And they also assist with going to the residence room who are isolated so they can spend a little time with them and talk with them.
1: And that way we
0: can get our bells answered. We can get the patients that are in isolations taken for a walk by, you know, without being around other people. We try to make sure we have enough staff so that we can do what we need to do. And sometimes it is an issue. You have some that call out. We have staff for that. Um, We're even looking into our own assisted program, like having Bayshore QLSs come sit for four hours. If a resident needs care and wants a sitter companionship type, we can provide it. That's so we, right. you know, we're yeah we looking into that. We haven't gotten all the kinks worked out, but we are looking into that so we can provide that service because they'd rather get that service from us than go to an outside source because we know you. We know <laughs> the residents. So they were looking forward to having Bayshore staff with a four hour of companion if need be. So we That's have a right. lot of little things in the working
1: here. Well, it sounds like y'all are really embracing the challenges and thinking outside the box. That's one of my favorite lines. And and then one person said to me one time, well, who put it in a box? (laughs) And I thought that was an interesting comeback. So, But but we do. We are challenged, especially with staffing, to think outside the box. How can we meet the needs of our residents with the staffing crisis that's going on? So it sounds like y'all have met it and exceeded it. So congratulations.
0: Thank you. We're constantly thinking on ways to improve and keep everybody safe and reduce as much anxiety as we possibly can.
1: Well, let me just ask this. One last question really is, in your opinion, okay, what has been the key to maintaining these additional challenges related to infection control? So we touched on the fact that in assisted living, we typically do not keep a resident in our community that has an infectious disease. Typically our protocol is that we would discharge that resident to a higher level of care, meaning the hospital or maybe a rehab facility or skilled nursing facility. And so with COVID, we've not done that. We have had our residents maintained in the community and place them on isolation and quarantine. That's very different for us. So how have y'all addressed with your staff maintaining these really strict infection control guidelines that we were not accustomed to for this length of time? We're into this pandemic, seven months.
0: I know, actually with the quarantine, we have a quarantine list. We know when that person's gone on quarantine. We know when that person comes off quarantine. And actually, when they do come off quarantine, we do their vitals, we make sure the temperatures are within normal, we let them know that they're off of quarantine, and we let everyone else know so that they can come out and they can go to functions as long as they have their mask on and remain six feet apart. That's how we know who's on quarantine. If they go to a hospital or come back, we try to explain it to them that you will be on quarantine for this long. And we know when you come off, so we will let you know. But we will have QLSs come in there, check on you. They will come check on you. They will definitely still be getting your meals. You can go for a walk outside with the one QLS. We try not to make them think that quarantine is okay. No one will ever be in here to see me now. So we maintain it with our list. And that is something that we're very diligent about. When you go to the physician, we know who went. We know who's coming back. We know how long you've been. And Mm -hmm. our concierge, as well as our our QLSs and the nurses, we all know once that person's gone out, we already know that you're going to be on the quarantine list. And that comes out every morning. We do not miss the day that you come off. You know what I mean? We know you was on this day. You'll be off this day. And then we take you off and we let the QLSs know she's off quarantine. If she can go to dinner, please take her to dinner or walk her outside. So or let her come out the room and let her know mm-hmm. that she's still got to wear a mask, six feet apart, but you're no longer on quarantine. Mm-hmm. But everyone knows it's a list that goes out every morning.
1: That's excellent. That's excellent. A way to keep everybody in the building up to date so they know who is on the quarantine and not. Excellent. Well, Angelina, I want to thank you again for joining me on this podcast and discussing some of the unique challenges that COVID-19 has presented to us. Us in our assisted living and our memory care communities, and how all of you there at Bayshore Hilton Head have very successfully overcome these. You've maintained the standards, you're thinking outside the box to meet the needs of our residents with our high standards. So, thank you very much for joining me today.
0: You're very welcome. However, I'd like to mention one thing that I think we spoke about before it's called compassionate fatigue. Oh, yes. So I've been thinking about that. And in my opinion, compassionate fatigue, I would describe it as healthcare professionals being so focused on protecting our residents and our coworkers and families and sometimes neglect ourselves because we're focused on protecting them, making sure that everything is going well, making sure you have your mask on, making sure you're six feet apart, making sure if we see you walking in the halls, we pull your mask up, put it on the right wing. We're very focused on that. And sometimes just being very, very focused on making sure everyone's okay. As healthcare professionals, we kind of neglect ourselves, which in turn can lead to burnout. So we need to really start to pay attention and know that in order for us to help our residents, we have to keep ourselves healthy as well.
1: Absolutely. And I feel like it's not just nurses, our profession, we tend to take care of everybody but ourselves. That's just innate in us. That's an excellent comment. We do need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of our residents and our families. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Angelina. Thank you. you. You're welcome. We could talk about this all day, couldn't we? (laughs) (laughs) We can. (laughs) Well, I won't take any more of your time. You've been delightful to talk to. Thank you so much for, for your time and your knowledge and your leadership that you're providing there at Bayshore Hilton Head. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. And thank you to our
1: listeners for joining Healthcare Highwire. Have a great day.
0: Legal disclaimer Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.